I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Ready to weigh in tonight on all the great games of this upcoming or this past weekend. Still have a few games left. A few NFL games currently going on right now. We will talk about Dallas up 21-0 over the Bengals. That surprises me a little bit. Uh, Dak Prescott is just amazing right now. The Cowboys are hot. You know, usually if you start off hot during a football season, you don't end hot. So we'll, we'll talk about then, see how this game goes on. Brady back in action with 400 yards. Brian Hoyer almost threw 400 yards today. That's, that's unbelievable. So Brady back in good fashion. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat those New England Patriots as long as he's on the field. Minnesota stays dominant. And boy, oh boy, do we have some college football to talk about. One of the powerhouses. Houston goes down to Navy yesterday, and, man, that's why it's just, it just proves again and again how hard it is to go undefeated. You can't take anyone for granted. But when you're a team like Houston and you don't play physical football, and you line up and play a Navy team that does, it just goes to show you, you just have to be ready week in and week out. And you play Houston at a conference that has to play actual teams every week, they're just a regular six and six team, Jonathan. They're not Houston's nothing to write home about. Beating Oklahoma, really, does that look too good? Oklahoma's atrocious right now on defense. We saw that against Houston yesterday and I'm just not a big Houston fan, nor am I an Oklahoma fan after this week. Both teams are disappointed. Uh yeah, no, I definitely um I agree with you. There there is no doubt about it. Oklahoma has not looked that good. Their defense is really bad. And in all reality, Oklahoma lost that game against Houston on that uh, missed field goal return for a touchdown. Uh, it wound up being a 10-point game. That was a 10-point play. Um, so just looking at it, it was a great game by Navy yesterday. No doubt about it. Those kids played their hearts out. Uh, you know, their quarterback uh, completed three, yeah, three pass, three out of five. For two touchdowns, you know, I mean, he had the big pick six that really that pick six won that game because it gave him, it gave him the two possession lead, and Houston never got closer than six points after that. That was huge. Uh, just a great game to watch, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that, it just shows you how hard it is to to go undefeated in football. People talk about, well, you know. They don't play anybody. Well, well, they did. They, they played Navy, and it just goes to show you the physicality of football. And could you imagine putting Houston somewhere like the SEC, where every week is a? It may not be the flashiest game in the world, but it's just a grind. Look at look at Tennessee yesterday. I think they had 35 injuries in one game. I swear, I've never seen a team get that hurt. Either they're they're soft or they they're getting beat up a lot against physical opponents. Yeah, I'll let you decide what you think it is. But Houston, I mean, there's no excuse to lose to Navy. I mean, none. Zero. You got a chance. And, and, and you know who this hurts the most? I mean, it hurts Herman, of course. Louisville. It hurts Louisville. Yeah, at the end of the year, that was supposed to be a top-five matchup. That's why you can't start looking. I wonder if, if Houston was looking towards the end of the year, thinking – you know, if we can make it here right now, we'll, we'll play Louisville. They won't lose another game. We'll get into the playoff. I guarantee you 
these guys are caught looking four or five weeks ahead right now, and that's the problem when you don't play anybody. You end up maybe comes in and blows you out in the third quarter and actually wins the game 46-40. That's, uh, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise. What was the point spread on this game? Do you remember? Was it 10? Uh, no, I want, it opened at 17. I want to say it closed at 15. Okay. That was a big upset. It wasn't, it wasn't an FCS upset or anything like that, but, wow, maybe it's good this year. 4-1, and one, they're 3-0 and in their conference. Where does Houston go from here? Does that Tom Herman stop take a hit? I think it does because you have Greg Ward on your team, and you have all the all this talent with Bonner, and, and, and yet, you know, you lose. You lose the Navy, and it makes me wonder if Herman's value, do you just lose a couple million dollars? You know, or maybe even more than that if he has to stay in Houston and stay in his conference. Because, I mean, I know he was a great coach. Everybody wanted him. But I think we talked about this on this show. Let's hold off on the Tom Herman a little bit until we, we see more of a body of work. So, here it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, that, that's a topic that we broached last time out. Uh, because we've really only seen, what, a season and a quarter of Tom Herman as a head coach. It's not really a lot to go off of. Uh, that's why, you know, of all the mid-majors, I've been highest on P.J. Slack just because of what he's been able to build at Western Michigan over a couple of years now. Um, Navy was good last year. They're good again this year. That is, they're still finding their way with a new quarterback and everything. I mean, Houston's biggest issue yesterday was they made mistakes. And when you're playing a triple option offense, I want to say it was Mac Brown yesterday who brought this up, and he's 100% right. Triple option offenses don't usually make a lot of mistakes. That's one of the best things about them, is that they're so well-disciplined, they don't put the ball in the air a lot. Um, these guys have, you know, it's just run, 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 and the way they run the ball, you know, it's a lot of misdirection and things of that nature. They don't make mistakes a lot. So when Houston made their mistakes and Navy capitalized, those were points that you really weren't going to get back unless your defense made stand. And Houston's defense was not ready for the triple option offense. Now, I don't think this dings Herman that bad. Just from the standpoint of people are going to go, well, it's a triple option. It's, it's really a weird offense to play against. The offense still put up 40 points. And he's an offensive coach. And that, that's the main thing people are looking at. But if anybody might have gotten dinged, it's Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator. Again, I don't know how much that is because – they put together, you know, a good string of games before this one. And, you know, and like you said, it's just it's really hard to go undefeated. That's why whenever somebody goes undefeated, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt because it is incredibly hard for a team. Once you hit 6-0, and you got a bullseye on you. Let, let's be completely honest. And if you're a top-10 team, top-five team, you have that bullseye the whole year. So every game you play is somebody else's Super Bowl. That's really, really, really tough. And that's why I like Auburn where they're at right now. They're just kind of sliding under the flying under the radar, just trying to get better every week. And I don't think anybody's taking them serious, Jonathan, until yesterday. And we'll talk about them a little bit. Your your Florida State Seminoles get a big win yesterday against uh, a bunch of thug Miami fans. Mm-hmm. Oh and my we'll God! That that yeah. Well, I mean, look. Here's my problem. 
Miami averages about 200 people a game. And finally, they're good. They're ranked in the top ten, and I laughed about that, just them being in the top ten. But you remember Saturday, my lock of the week, I put out there for everybody. I was like, here's a gift for me in Vegas. Take Florida State. This is easy. And and it was. Florida State, better football team. Miami doesn't belong in that category right now. And, my gosh, it's just to see the fans throwing stuff on the field, throwing beer bottles and things like that, it's just, classless, man. I mean, what kind of fan base does that? And I don't understand. And I understand Jimbo's crying. He cries a lot, by the way, but he had a legitimate cry when they threw, started throwing stuff on the field. That should have been a 15-yard penalty. Um, I'm sorry. And, and and I know the refs told him, hey, we don't know if it came from your fans or theirs. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Well, that's, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But you should be penalized if you're fans are throwing stuff on the field. Don't you agree, Jonathan? Because you're, putting, you're having to hold the game up. You're putting people in danger, and it's just a bad situation. Something needs to happen to penalize the team for their ignorant fans. Well, not only were they throwing stuff on the field, they were throwing uh, stuff at the Florida State players on the bench. And that, yeah. that's what really um, got Jimbo irate. Was It wasn't as much as, oh, the field's littered now. And obviously that's an issue. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, this is something that we've seen the Blue Jays fans do lately. Uh, so to see it come over to the NFL, to see it come to the college ranks kind of bothers me. Um, but as soon as they started throwing stuff at the players is when you saw Jimbo get animated. And I'm with them about 100% on that. How, how can you justify – Throwing uh, the the aluminum uh, beer bottles and, and things like that at, at the players, like that's ridiculous. There, there's there's no, no no earthly way is that okay. And I, I do think at that point the rest needed to step in and do something, whether it's a warning, uh, whether it's a Tony, whatever it is. You know, you, you need to get senior security involved and start booting people left and right because it wasn't just one or two people. It was a lot of people doing this, and I saw. Uh, at least on Twitter from a couple of Miami fans who were livid that they were getting hit with beer because idiots in the upper deck were throwing them down. So this is something that, you know, Miami is a fan base that is already dinged and considered pretty classless, and they just added to it last night. Yeah, they were overrated, and, and here they are. And then they start throwing them. And here's the thing. They won't show up again. Now they're gone. They lost. You don't have to worry about Miami fans. But it was just – it goes back to what I said about when I was predicting this game. Let's look at mindsets right now. Yeah, Florida State down a little bit. They haven't played the way they should have. But there's one goal still to be obtained, and that's champion of Florida. And I think that carries – a lot of meaning with it, Jonathan. I mean, I know you want to be ACC champions. I know you want to make the playoffs, but it's not a bad thing to be the champions of the best state of football right now in Florida. Uh, it just means a lot in recruiting, and I'm sure Jimbo used that to try to motivate his players. He's doing the best he can. Will they continue to win? I don't know this year, but I guarantee you they'll be Florida when they play them. I can promise you that. But uh, it was a big win for Florida State and, and Jimbo last night. Let's see. I don't know where this team goes from here. I don't. Your quarterback's tough as nails. I'll tell you that right now. That's a good kid to have for the future. But let's just get out of this year and see what Florida State can do in the next couple. I think it's going to be special in Tallahassee. 
I, I mean, we, we all hope so. Uh, that the beginning of the week, Jimbo made his players sign a, a contract, if you will. It was, it was a promise that no more loafing, no no more woe is me type plays and things of that nature. Uh, and, and, you know, the Miami game is really big for Florida State because, you know, whether people realize it or not, a lot of kids on that roster are from Miami. You know, Dalvin Cook is from Miami. Um, Tavares McSadden's from South Florida. He had a big interception in the end zone last night. Uh, you know, he actually played for Mike Rumpf, who, if people remember, played at Miami. Like, you know, Demarcus Walker, this is a big game for him, even though he's from Jacksonville, because that's always been a strong recruiting uh, area for all the three schools. But this was a really big game uh, for a lot of reasons for the players. Um you know, and I look at it, if you look at Florida State, they lost to Louisville, who's a top-10 team. You beat Ole Miss, who's definitely a top-25 team. You beat Miami, who right now is a top-25 team. And you lost to North Carolina, who, I mean, maybe they're top-25, but they're at least top-35. So they've had a difficult schedule. Um, the the team it responded in the way we wanted to see. Now, you know, you got to go play Wake Forest, take care of business. You get a bye week, and you get Clemson. And there, there's your big game. You know, this team right now is playing for Clemson and Florida. They want to try and make sure that they at least, you know, the seniors and the juniors who are going to leave, like Dalvin Cook, at least want to make sure that they go out on good notes. And that's a big thing that I see right now. And like you said, positive steps forward for next year for all these younger guys. Yeah, there's still some. I mean, you know what? Sometimes you can't win every game you play, but it is fun when you call somebody a game. When you call somebody a chance to play in the playoffs or make their life more difficult. And uh, it's just, it's a long season. Everybody can't be in the Final Four. Okay, there's a a ton of college football teams. And, you know, my team's 4-2 and right now. It's not fun, but it's good to see them getting better and winning. But, I know they're not going to be in the playoff this year, but it doesn't mean you just quit and you just don't play football anymore. There's pride. There's there's lessons to be learned when you're when you're getting your tail kicked. And at Stanford last night, still in the polls going into last night at number 15, they come back home and get shellacked by Washington State by 26 points. Uh, Stanford, there's, there's a couple teams that's real bad this year. Michigan State's one of them. Stanford's one of them. Oregon's one of them. I mean, I can keep going on, but Stanford, man, Jonathan, these these guys are not physical. They're not athletic. They're not well coached. They suck. Stanford sucks. And I know they're smarter than than most teams as, as they if they brag about how smart they are and everything. But you suck on the field, Stanford, and it's embarrassing what you're doing in the Pac-12 and. Finally, you know, people are maybe starting to see what I've been seeing for years, that Stanford's not all what they're cracked up to be, Big J. Yeah, I mean, Stanford, I was, they got embarrassed last night. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Washington State was a team that uh, I actually liked going into that game uh, because of uh, how last year played out. I figured they'd have a little more uh, emotion riding on it. Um I mean, Stanford, obviously, big issue when your top two cornerbacks are out and you're playing a team that throws the ball 50 times a game. They're going to have a bad time, no doubt about that. Uh, but we saw their quarterback who, you know, it's not like Washington State's defense is really that good. Um, and Stanford's quarterback had a miserable night. They, they, they just really couldn't get anything going offensively. And teams are just going to stack the box against McCaffrey. So he's going to have a hard year. 
you know, as much as people hyped him going into this year, you had to know it was going to be difficult for him if the quarterbacks didn't come along, and they haven't. Uh, you know, they're out front. They they weren't mauling Washington State's offensive line like I anticipated. You know, their front seven should should be better than Washington State's front five, and that was something we didn't see last night. Uh, I think Stanford. Uh, this is why I didn't pick Stanford to win the Pac-12. I think this is a team that's in a rebuilding year. Um, you know, obviously, I think the next. Maybe possibly next year is going to be a little bit of a tough year for them. Uh, you know, this conference is, is now residing in the state of Washington, whether people want to uh, like that or not. Yeah, and can we finally stop talking about Christian McCaffrey for Heisman after his 40, 40 yards last night? Uh, total offense. And, yeah, he's probably hurt a little bit. That's what happens when your only player on the team gets the ball every time and finally he's dinged up. A Stanford man, how pitiful it was last night watching them Kind of rushed the football, 61 yards. Yeah, outrushed by Washington State. Uh, you, you got the problems. And just want to throw that out there. The Pac-12 is a little better. With, I mean, they're a little more stable, a little more deeper than, than some conferences are. But I didn't see Washington last night putting up 70 on Oregon, man. Um <laughs> They had started in the game, Jonathan, in the fourth quarter throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> that, was, that was just wrong. I mean, I'm sorry. But you know what? Washington's taken out some frustration for all those years that, that Oregon did beat them down. And, and I know Jason was frustrated with it, but how many times have we seen Oregon do that to people in the past, Jonathan? Just, just beat them by 70. The shoe's on the other foot now, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. I mean, you know, when I said Washington's going to blow out Oregon, I wasn't kidding. You know, that line being only 10 was a gift. Uh, Washington's insanely talented. And now I'm hoping after these two games people realize what I've been saying this whole time was Washington's a really good team. I picked them in the Pac-12 for a reason, y'all. This team is really good. Look, 12 years of frustration is what happens when you put up 70 on Oregon. That's exactly what it came out with was, you know what? After all this time, we finally have you. Let's go ahead and just – Stick that knife in deeper. Let's twist it a little more. Uh, and it was it was a great performance by Jake Browning, who definitely put himself on the national radar. Uh, 22 for 28, over 300 yards, uh, eight total touchdowns. Miles Gaskin had uh, almost 200 on the ground. What a performance by Washington top to bottom. That was great. And, and what people don't realize this, too, is, you know, when a team like Oregon has been up for so long, you know, they're starting to go down, but you, now you do this to put doubt in the recruits' minds and things about, you know, you don't give Morgan a chance to rebuild it in a way. You you tell these recruits, look, you saw we, we went into their home and just destroyed them. That's what's going to happen if you go to Oregon to come over here to Washington and play. I think that's a big part of the reason they were doing that last night. I don't think it was so much a frustration. I think it's when you're Washington and still nobody's giving you the respect, Sometimes you have to put a 70 on that scoreboard to say, hey, look at me, don't forget now. And all of a sudden when you start beating these teams, uh, Oregon 70 to 21 and stuff like that, people start paying attention, Jonathan, where if you take the foot off the gas and all of a sudden it's 40 to 30 at the end of the game, you let them come back in, people question even more, am I for real or not? And uh, Oregon couldn't stop the run last night as we saw they gave up 378 yards rushing, 304 passing, and it, 
I mean, any positives for Oregon? I want to let Jason come on and talk about it for a second. But, Jonathan, what do you think about Oregon right now? I mean, is it time to get rid of Helfrich right now? I mean, he's 0 3 in the Pac 12. They may go 0 9. I just don't see this team being able to stop anybody right now. And it's it's not fun to be in that situation when you can't stop anybody on the ground and you can't stop them through the air. I mean, that's 700 yards I just told you about. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, part of the reason why LSU filed my, fired Miles when they did had, you know, things to do with they wanted to get a jump on the, on the coaching search, of course. You want to make it so Miles can't coach himself back into the job because he's a good job of doing that. But it's also recruiting. When you, when you fire a coach this early, you're not doing the panic time at the end of the year trying to make sure all the recruits that are committed to you stay committed. Whereas when you do it this early in the uh, this early in the season, not only can you reach out to new recruits still, but you can tell your your recruits already committed. Look, this is what we're doing, blah blah blah, and keep them in without you know a last minute flip and your whole class just implodes. Um, so if I'm Oregon, I'm getting rid of Brady Hope. I'm getting rid of Mark Helfrick right now. I'm not even playing games. <laughs> bye, bye, Brady no, no, bye. Brady Hope. I don't. I don't know how Brady Hope got off that field with a job. I really don't. So if I'm Oregon, get rid of, get rid of Mark Helfrick right now. Start your search. Realize that you're not going to get the top candidate because LSU's out there, uh, and Texas will be out there at some point. But it's better to, to jump on it now. And, and try and get a head start and talk to people you want to than to do it later and all of a sudden your recruiting class implodes and maybe you get like the fourth or, uh, fourth or fifth option as a head coach. Yeah, and that's what I want to ask Jason is why does he never mention Brady Hope? And, and Helfer's being a leader, at least fire him to show that there, there are some concerns in Austin right now that, hey, this is unacceptable, we're going to turn it around, but the first step is seeing that Brady Hoke's there and getting rid of him. Jason, I mean, Brady Hoke last night, just a disappointment. I'm sorry you had to lose that way. I know it's disappointing, but things have to change. They don't get better without change, especially when you see a three-year drop-off like we have. Well, yeah, you, you guys are definitely right on the back, but the the thing is, if, if you're gonna clean the house like most of the Duck fans want, and what you guys want, um, Oregon has coaches that have been here for twenty plus years, and that has really built this program and whatnot. Yes, I know this season is terrible. I'm not doubting that, but most of our young talent. It's developing on the field. Yes, it doesn't show in the bicycle, but um, it's it's just real building. Oh, it does actually. What? It does show in the box store. It does show. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one okay, one of the things from last night was um Justin Herbert, true freshman, the quarterback. He didn't play great. Um, 24 out of 34. One at seventy nine for the air, but he sort of some poise. Um, one up, but um, as I'm always gonna support Helfrich till he's fired. Um, it's not my job to fire the coach. That's the AD's job. Um, it's I don't know. It's it's really it's a tough time to be a duck fan. 
Well, I've been in your boot in your shoes before, and uh, I know you're right now. You're two and four, and it's bad over three in the conference. But just wait till you go zero and nine in the conference, like like uh, we went three and nine one year, zero and eight in the conference. That'll get everybody in the. I mean, that, that that'll get you killed in Auburn almost. Not just fired, you're lucky mm-hmm. you get to live. So, if you, I know your spirits are about halfway right now, but you you put five more conference losses in there, or six more conference losses in there for Oregon. Yeah. You lose to Oregon State and everything. You're going to have a different tune about it, Horny Jonathan. He's going to be singing the Mike Helfrich firing song before long. But there's one thing that really, really concerns me. It's that when them at school that are uh, starting safety, um, post game, he said that the players don't care. That is really concerning for me. Um, if if we're comparing seasons, this really reminds me of the Auburn season that they had yeah. when they fired Jinch Chizik. You damn right about it. That's exactly that's exactly what that, it looks like. Your defense is probably better yeah. than that one we had. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I think the high school powder puff team could have rushed for three hundred yards. <laughs> um, but um, one quick step before you guys meet me: three conference games, we have given up one nine eighteen rushing yards in the three conference games, and that's a three oh six average. That is terrible. So, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, like that is pretty terrible. Jason, Jason, you are a true Duck fan, and we'd love you. We appreciate you, man, and we'll be pulling for your Ducks to come out. But understand, Jonathan knows how you feel. I know how you feel. And um, the only way it gets better is getting new leadership because if the players don't care, there's a reason for it because they don't fear mm-hmm. that head coach. And, uh, yeah. and that's the part of it. you got to get somebody with some – testosterone on the sidelines. That's and, really and what I, you miss. I, I mentioned that in my video, if you guys seen, there, there's no motion. There's there's no players getting in each other's faces. There's no motion with the head of coach. There's, there's nothing. There's players going through the motion. And, and the one you know I, what, Jason? Instead of firing coaches, hell, fire players. Kick them all off and give the new people scholarships next year. Yeah. Uh, cut is. the fuck away. Seriously. I mean, if they don't want to play, hmm, cut, the, cut that education off, too, and, and let them go to junior college and, and pay for it. But, Jason, it'll, it'll get better. Uh, it'll get worse mm-hmm. before it gets better, my friend. Just hang in there. But, Jonathan, I try to be encouraging, but I also try to be honest. But this does look like that uh, – 2009 Auburn team that went 0 and 8 in conference play, 3 and 9, and, and the next year ended up playing for a national champion. And that was 2012. I'm sorry, the uh, 3 and 9 team, the 0 and 8. They played those first couple games, lost a couple close ones, and then cashed it in. And Gene Chizik got fired. But and then the next year they played for a national championship and fell a little bit short. But it can be turned around when you have talent. Does Oregon have the talent on the field to turn around with a coach that quick? No. No, the, the unfortunate reality is that recruiting-wise, uh, they haven't been top-notch because they recruit for their scheme and they don't recruit for the talent. 
you know, like Alabama and Florida State, LSU, schools like that, they recruit talent and to a point they'll mold schemes around them. I mean, Alabama's done a good job of that. Uh, Florida State, not as much. Jimbo's kind of, you know, lockstep in what he's going to run. Um, so I, I think for Oregon, this is going to be a couple-year rebuilding process. You know what I mean? I, I feel blessed as a Florida State fan. I've actually never seen a losing season. Um, I mean, we, Florida State as a university hasn't had a losing season uh, since Bobby Bowden's first year on campus when they went five and six. Kind of hard. Something. Kind of hard when you play in the ACC and the Big East, though, right? I mean, oh well, I mean. Not have a losing season. Yeah, I mean, we were the in, we were an independent until what 1992, and it was always the play anybody who calls thing. I mean, we had what seven year contracts with Arizona State, and we played Ohio State and Michigan and all those schools. You know, it wasn't like it was all easy cakewalk uh, all those years, especially in the 80s. Uh, you know, in the ACC, obviously, you know, there people will always criticize it. You know, it's funny if you go through the ACC, there's always like two teams every year outside of Florida State that show up. Um, then years at Florida State's good. It's like, oh, well, look, Virginia finally had a good year, 1995. You know, uh, Georgia Tech won a national yeah. title or, or something weird like that happens. But I've never gone through a true implosion. I've seen some bad things yeah. happen, and luckily we've gotten out in front of them. We haven't had implosions like that. Auburn had and like Oregon had. Oh, God, that was – but, I mean, there's an implosion like Auburn had talent and Auburn quit. You could just tell it and like – Oregon, I think, they don't have the talent Auburn had back then, and then they quit. So it's going to take a, you know, just a little while longer for them. they got to hire out. Maybe get Chip Kelly back or something, Jonathan, something like that. That's what kind of move it's going to take to get Oregon back. I don't know if anybody wants to come and take that job with that and run that offense. That's the, that's the problem is the way they run it. I don't think you can hit a home run higher. They can come in and recruit for that and run it. They're going to have to change personnel. That's two or three years right there sometimes, especially when it's been recruited the same way for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just not – Robert tried to go to the spread one year, remember, with uh, Tommy Tupperville, and that looked like – that was a disaster. It got oh, a yeah. There's a coordinator getting fired after about two two possessions he gets fired. And uh, – <laughs> And then uh, they, they ran Tony Franklin out of town, this poor guy. But uh, anyway, let's let's get back to some college football. The Auburn Tigers played yesterday. And you know what? I'm not going to bring up a certain player in this game right now. I'm going to talk about what I saw with Auburn yesterday. Tell me your thoughts. The first half they came in, you know, they, they threw that pick. It went right through the hands of Stevens. They, they missed a field goal, and Auburn took over from there. That's what you want to see if you're an Auburn fan right now is being able to go on the road your first time and actually destroy Mississippi State, 35 to nothing a half. They did get some cheap touchdowns there in the second half. But Jonathan, did you know Mississippi State didn't have 100 yards of offense until four minutes left in the third quarter? I mean, Auburn's defense really dominated that game yesterday and allowed the offense to get rolling and put some points up, and it's just a good feeling as an Auburn fan to finally see you go on the road and blow somebody out. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, Auburn played a, a really good game top to bottom yesterday. I thought Sean White uh, did well. Cameron Petaway had a good game. Uh, the offensive line looked good, and defense looked awesome. 
You know, I mean, this is the Mississippi State team that expectations obviously aren't as high for them. Um, but you still expect them to be good. At least people believe that because they have a good coach, uh, supposedly. Um, so I really like the way Auburn played. And the, the, for Auburn going forward, it, it's really this. You have one loss in conference play. You control your own destiny from here on out. They lost to Clemson and Texas A&M, two, two of the top six teams in the nation. You know, and the Clemson game was a tight game. They probably should have won that game, the A&M game, whatever, whatever. But think of, you know, looking at it from Auburn's standpoint, this is a very good Auburn team that a lot of people are just sleeping on right now. Uh, they have a really good shot of making some moves here making and having a good run. You know, for Auburn's season is nowhere close to being over. The conference championship is still something that is still a, a goal that you can uh, obtain. And there's really no idea whether or not they'll, you know, just hypothetically, they'll keep a two-team SEC cha- – a two-loss SEC champion out of the playoffs. So there's still the belief that Auburn, if they run the table from here on out, they could still be a playoff team. So it's just stay positive, stay upbeat. This is still a good season for Auburn right now. Yeah, remember the move we talked about on the offensive line? It all starts up front on offense. The move uh, to put the left tackle – to move the left tackle goes from the center and put James in the left tackle to transfer from Texas. Ever since that happened, you started seeing a change in, in Auburn's offense. So I'll leave the offensive line alone. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding it until until it dies. As far as any quarterback controversy, there's not any, but I would like to see some packages for certain individuals, you know. I'd like to see John Franklin get in there some and in downs that matter, not just in in garbage time and try to build because I I still believe that it's gonna be hard to beat an old miss on the road in a Alabama on the road without more, more just in the in the bag of tricks really. And carry on Johnson. I don't know if people know he got hurt yesterday early in that game. Auburn's best player on offense and never came back. And Cameron Petway, Jonathan stole the show with 39 carries, about 180 yards, something like that. I like to see a running back that can bruise like that. And if you get carry on back in the game, Auburn, the, the limp, sky's the limit, and, and you just keep getting confident more and more when you're winning. And you're right. I think the coaches are saying, hey, you do have two losses, guys. It's the two great teams right now. Are they great? I don't know. I mean, but the, the rankings say they are. But, but we'll find out more about Auburn after this bye week to see who can get healthy again. But talk about Tennessee and uh, – a&M, they're 28-7. Tennessee gets behind in this one again. And I'll be dang, Jonathan, if I don't look up in overtime and Tennessee's winning. <laughs> My gracious. But like, they finally yeah. caught up to them. They, they, they finally lost the game. And I don't know if they're going to have any players left for Bama next week. That's the only negative about that loss. It looks like they lost a lot of people. Nope, sorry about that. I was on mute. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, my mute button apparently didn't want to cooperate. Uh, yeah, Tennessee had a lot of injuries yesterday. There's no doubt about that. It's good to hear that the defensive tackle, who had to be stretched off, um, that he is doing well. Um, very physical game, no doubt about that. Now, here's my thing. Tennessee thoroughly outplayed A&M yesterday. Tennessee is a better team than Texas a They are better than that team. They turned the ball over seven times. 
That is inexcusable. That's disgusting. That 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 right there should be enough for the coaches to duct tape footballs to to everybody's hands for the whole week. Just duct tape uh, Dobbs, Kamara, everybody. Duct tape the football to their hands all week. You got to carry it to class. Yeah, everything. You know, Tennessee's been really bad with fumbles this year. That's terrible, bro. Mm-hmm. It's undisciplined to me when I say that. It means, and I'm telling you, Jonathan, it means they're not mm -hmm. hitting in practice. I don't care what anybody says. These injuries and these fumbles, they're not being physical in practice, and that's not what kind of team you need to be. Oh, I agree. I, I think there is uh, there, there's probably a lack of physicality in practice because their players have been a little reckless with the ball the way they're carrying it. Uh, I mean, Kamara had that great run all the way down inside A&M's 10, and the ball just got ripped away from him. You've got to put two hands on that and just go down some. Sometimes you've got to know where to take your losses. Uh, Dobbs, uh, obviously, is having issues with Boston security this whole season. After that game, I want to say Tennessee now has 25 fumbles on the year. Yeah, I want to say it's 25, and they were and they recovered like 16 of them. So they 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 had insane fumble luck going into the game. They recovered 15 of 18 fumbles in their games going in, and then all those fumbles yesterday. And the and, you know something that I talked about, we had mentioned the fumble luck will sooner or later it'll rear its ugly head. You cannot fumble the ball that much and expect to keep winning. So, I mean, the only thing for Tennessee now is realize you're a better team than you that than the score indicated. Realize you were the best team on that field. And don't take a what was me attitude. Be pissed that you lost and take it out on Bama. Yeah, and Bama is 10, ten and a half point favorite in that game. And that's just motivation enough for me right now if I'm Tennessee to say, you know what, let's bring him in here and see. You know, Jalen Hurd didn't play yesterday. A lot of people didn't play yesterday. And yet, Tennessee was still the better football team. I'm telling you, they, they put up 700 yards. It's kind of, and that's the amazing thing is you, you turn the ball over seven times and you're able to still come back and, and, and almost win the game. And that should tell – if I'm an A&M, I'm worried that, God, maybe I'm not as good as I thought because they, they choked. And, and not only did that, Tennessee took it to him. That's kicker. I knew he was going to miss that field goal. He was, he looked like that guy, a water boy, when they were going to do the onside kick. That's a look in his eyes he had uh, after two timeouts that Jones put on him. But you've got to find a way to protect the football in SEC. No national champion contender can fumble the ball seven times, six times in the game, how many, every time it was, and, and expect to win. I mean, I, I know Florida not playing LSU. They're going to play and everything. But if you're Tennessee, if you lose to Bama this week, then you do finish 10-2 and two and go to the SEC championship game. It's not going to matter if you don't clean it up. You know, I think Tennessee loses another game somewhere if they don't clean it up. Because South Carolina or somebody like that, even though they suck, could, could beat you if you're turning the ball over like that, Jonathan. Anybody can beat you when you turn over six times. You're never safe. Oh, I, I agree 100% with that. This is something that Tennessee definitely needs to clean up. Uh, you're right, A&M's got to sit there and go, wow, we got lucky to get out of this one alive. Um, let's try and regroup. We got Bama in two weeks. Let's figure this one out. Uh, I, you know, I, I think just 
going forward for Tennessee, just work on ball security, ball security, ball security. And you're right. I it's I'm watch I'm watching them line up for that TO goal at the end of the at the end of regulation. And my buddy sent me a text and goes, he's going to shank this. Like that's not even going to be close. And whiff. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how you can kind of call it now that when kickers are going to just completely <laughs> shank one. Um, you know, but, you know, for, for Tennessee, it's the Bama game is kind of your season. Because if you lose that game, then you got to worry about Florida uh, Florida um, rest of the year. Now, the SEC commissioner came out and said the LSU-Florida game will happen. And I love hearing that. Um, you know, the, the commissioner's right on that note. That game needs to happen. And, I mean, Florida, that when they go when they play Georgia, don't think that Georgia might not have something geared up for that game. You know, if Georgia beats Florida, then Tennessee's safe. Because I honestly don't see a loss in the back half of the schedule. After Alabama, Tennessee should blow people out. And they yeah. need to blow everybody out. Yeah, and the thing is, though, with Tennessee, they can, they've shown they can beat anybody in the country right now, man. I mean, if they just played a game of football. And if they do get beat by Alabama, it's not the end of the world. It's not ten and two Tennessee wins the SEC and beats out. I would rather beat Alabama in the champion SEC championship game during the regular season. And it's it's gonna be hard. That's why I was thinking yesterday if Tennessee could somehow pull out this game against A and M and just almost lock up the East, they could just kind of free roll Alabama next week and just say, you know what, if we beat you great, if we don't, we're not unre- we're not Unveiling everything we do because we're going to come up. We got like a eight, a seven week game plan for Alabama really to get ready for them. And um, but now it's important for Tennessee, I think, to win this game. Alabama looks good at times, but they're not consistent. That defense has holes in it, and Tennessee is going to have to do a lot, much better job, job up front of protecting the quarterback. And Dobbs is going to have to do a better job of getting rid of the football, Jonathan, because Alabama comes every play. They're coming from somewhere every play, and it's feast or famine with them. They may give up some big plays, but they're coming after you, man. And they score on defense a lot. Yeah, I mean, we we saw it yesterday in their game against Arkansas. Alabama's defense, uh, you know, it might not be the best, and this is why I've been saying I think Auburn's is probably the best in the in the SEC. But Alabama's defense is great at turning turnovers into points. That's the one thing they did yesterday that just kept this game, kept that game out of reach. Didn't give Arkansas any hope. The 100-yard pick six was net, was just a in-your-face, I'm out of here. See, uh, this game's locked up. Don't even think about it. Uh, you know, Tennessee That's turns like the ball over. yards, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, like they, 100 it's 100 because the NCAA <laughs> says so. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, te- if Tennessee turns the ball over three times against Alabama, they're going to lose. If they turn the ball over – you know, once maybe they can, you know, figure figure things out and win that game by forcing one on their own. But you turn that ball over three times, oh my goodness, son! <laughs> yeah, y'all ain't got a shot in the dark. So, like, you know, this Alabama game is important because it's been a long time brewing of Tennessee losing to them and them just getting angry. And I think you know we're in for a good one coming up. Um, you know, because I mean, Alabama is not the impenetrable, unstoppable team that we think they are. Um, and people wonder why Alabama's defense has given up the points. It's because their offense is scoring sometimes in a minute. But let's not forget that they gave up 400 yards passing last night. They gave up 122 on the ground. 
146 to a receiver here. So that's not a, a dominant Alabama defense of old that we're used to seeing over the past years, Jonathan. That's that's just not it. Alabama would never give up 400 yards in the air. To, uh, is he a freshman or a sophomore or something? This guy, Austin Allen. I think he's a, I think he's a freshman. Yeah, I mean that's embarrassing in a way. But I mean. These defenses in the SEC, it's about to start to tighten up a little bit. They're going to figure uh, Hurts out right here. They're going to figure him out a little bit. They're going to confuse him, and they're going to bring some things at him. Alabama's got the thing going for Bama. They've got too much talent on the field, and and sometimes they can they can make plays just by having that talent. But you know, playing Tennessee on the road playing LSU on the road, playing A&M in Tuscaloosa and Auburn in Tuscaloosa, it's still going to be tough to, to win all of those games because there's not many freshman quarterbacks come in and run the SEC gauntlet. And I just don't think Alabama is, is good enough to separate themselves from everybody in the SEC to go undefeated. Even when they were at their best, they still lost games in the SEC. So I'm not ready to give them the championship just yet. So that Arkansas game last night was boring. It was just ugly. And Auburn's got Arkansas, Jonathan, in two weeks coming into Jordan-Hare. The bad news for Arkansas is they've got to go to – they've got to play Ole Miss this weekend while Auburn's resting and kind of putting a game plan together. How do you think Auburn stacks up with Arkansas? Well, I mean, Arkansas's offense is good. It's not great. And uh, I th- Arkansas's defense is – it's bad. That yeah. defense is not good. It, it not, I mean, this is not a Brett Bielema uh, defense that we've come to expect. So, I mean, I think Auburn, honestly, I, I think they're a better team than Arkansas right now. I think they have an advantage going into that game, uh, you know, especially since Arkansas has got to spend the week prior probably getting smoked by Ole Miss. Yeah, that's going to put them probably 0-3 in the SEC heading into Auburn, probably about a seven-point dog. Um, you got to look at the way Auburn's starting to move the ball ever since that started that LSU game. They 400 yards there, 700 yards the next week, about 500 yesterday or whatever. They're starting to, to develop a rhythm with Sean White and that offensive line. So that should be fun. I'm not impressed, though, with Michigan's 78 to nothing win over Rutgers. That's an I mean, the Michigan bullies is what I call them now. That's to do that to somebody, Jonathan, is classless in a way. But I mean, they got like two first downs in the game, thirty-four yards, it's or thirty-nine yards of offense. To me, I'm not impressed with you doing that to somebody. Maybe you are, but I'm not. Well, people forget that this Michigan Rutgers rivalry, if you will, was building all off season because Rutgers decided for some odd reason that they were going to pick a fight with Michigan because Michigan was coming in New Jersey and taking the taking the best recruits and they could. They also hired uh, the top two high school head coaches to their staff, so they were able to do that. Um, and Rutgers decided, well, you know, we're going to run our mouths and we're going to do this and that and. They're like, this is probably a bad idea, y'all. Don't do not do this. And they kept at it. Um, Michigan ran the ball a lot yesterday. I mean, they, they just kept – they tied the school record for most rushing touchdowns with nine. They were giving it to the fullback. For the defense, this was a, this was a game that they wanted bad 
uh, to show how good they were. And there's no doubt Michigan's defense is good. They only gave up two first downs, and that was in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I mean, Rutgers punter had more yards punting than Michigan's offense did, and that tells the story. Yeah, 11 different ball carriers, like you said. They they only put the ball in the air 16 times, and that was all early in the first half. Then you get in the second half, you've got a Chris Evans, 153 yards, Higdon, 108, Isaac, 99, Pepper, 74, Henderson, 26, and then the walk-ons and all those other people are, are getting getting a chance at it. But you're right, it's not like they were in there throwing bombs trying to beat them. They just... I was more impressed with the defense than I was with 78. It was the, that zero there, and they were the Rutgers fans hugging in the crowd after the first down they got. They were joking, but they were like, oh, my God, we got a first down. Holy crap, you know, and it's, that's bad. I mean, shut your program down if that happens, really. You should not be allowed to play anymore the rest of the year due to safety and safety hazards and stuff. But that's embarrassing. If, if Auburn lost seventy-eight to nothing to anybody, I I would probably have a fire outside and burn everything I own. It felt like if he got beat that bad. I don't I don't support losers. I don't support losers. Rutgers has what? Rutgers had two hundred recruits at that game. I, I mean. <laughs> I guess now they don't have to take their visits to Michigan. They know what they're going to see. I mean, they had that many recruits. That, hey, that's a bad idea from the get. Don't, don't that's do that. Bad, that's bad coaching. That's bad coaching right there. That's bad coaching. That's terrible. And then I, I this flew on my radar, and I thought it was hilarious. So Ruth Chris for this game, uh, you know, Ruth Chris, the steakhouse, uh, and it's a high-priced steakhouse, offered uh, a, a percentage discount. Time. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I got a 22-ounce, uh, I think it was a T-bone. Well, the Ruth Chris in Ann Arbor offered a promotion that they'll take a percentage off your uh, off the food portion of your bill for every point Michigan beats Rutgers by. Well, they beat them by 78. So if, you went through, if you're going to Ruth Chris this week, in Ann Arbor, you're going to get a hell of a deal because you're getting 78% off your steak. I'm getting that 40-ounce porter out there. I'm on the fly. I'm flying up there to Ann Arbor, and I'm eating that porter. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, it feeds, too, and I'm telling you, I love a medium rare. Man, that was funny you said, Ruth Chris. So they're giving a dollar off every point Michigan scores or every point Michigan beat Rutgers by which is the same thing. Every, thing every point they beat them by, which, like you said, wound up being the same thing. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, a friend of mine owns a lot of these things throughout the United States. I'm sure he owns that one. He may be rethinking that from now on, that promotion, because there's going to be a lot of people going in there like with a $10 check and they're going to be there. Hey, 10 bucks. Thank you for the great food. <laughs> <laughs> Our, I mean, our, our meal last night was about $200. That's how much it costs to you, Luke, to do it right. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess, I guess the positive is that they didn't include drinks in the discount, so they can still get you if you need a bottle of wine. Yeah, and, see, and people will do that. People will spend the money because they feel like they're getting something free. They'll spend 100 bucks to get 
$200 worth of this stuff, you know, so, and you got to include tips, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's going to drive business. It's going to increase transactions. It's going to possibly get people addicted to your food. You know, it's so good. a steak, I'm sure you have. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's something nice. It's just, it's good. It's very expensive, though, and what was funny is last night we, it was our anniversary dinner, Thursday was our anniversary, but when we got the check, there was a letter to us that said, happy anniversary from four of our friends paid for that. And actually, one of the guys is the owner, so I'm sure they didn't have to pay pay for it, but what a nice gesture to get a bill and to you know your meal's paid for. That was Oh, that was wow. That's awesome. So I, but, yeah, so I tipped the weight. The weight is very good. So... Uh, but it was going to be able to bring some back home. But it's just funny you mentioned Ruth Chris like that. So, Jonathan, next time I go, I'll let you know. Make sure you pay in advance for me. And I'll, and I'll go. And I told him, I said, if I don't, y'all pay it. I've got that 40 ounce quarter house I've been on. I mean, we have a steakhouse in Tampa called Charlie's, which rivals Ruth Chris. And, and there have been times where. People walk in there and they don't realize it until the bill comes, how much they spend, and all of a sudden it's like a thousand dollar bill uh, for like four or five people, and it's always great to see those reactions, uh, especially when the waiter realizes that they don't realize how much he spent. And he's like, uh, "Well, there goes my tip." No, exactly. So yeah, you get a thousand dollar bill, you're at least supposed to get a two hundred dollar tip. Uh, yeah. Be careful when you go to Ruth Chris. Everything is all apart, but it is it is good. It is good. Yeah. Um, let's go. <laughs> let's talk about some bad things yesterday that happened in football. Notre Dame, man. Jonathan, I don't know what's going on with Notre Dame, but I'm not blaming it on the hurricane because NC State played in that hurricane as well. Um, Notre Dame just got beat, and here they are. Where do they go from here? I noticed Quinn's not on tonight at all. Chipper and uh, Notre Dame this and that, but Notre Dame looks terrible. They look wrong. Yeah, Notre, if it would happen after the rain, they'd have given up a lot more points. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean Notre Dame looked really bad yesterday. Their center had a really rough day, and Brian Kelly did not waste any time in making sure everybody knew the center had a bad day, which is. It, it, it irked a lot of people because Brian Kelly's done a good job pointing fingers everywhere but at himself. Um, yeah, exactly. Look, when you're playing in something like that, don't throw the ball 24 times. Don't live out of the shotgun. You're going to have to run the football. It's the only way you can you can really produce winning those games. Look, Virginia Tech dropped 30-plus 30 yesterday playing in the same type of uh, conditions. All right, and what they do, they ran it. They got under center and got after it. North Carolina and Notre Dame did the same thing. We're we're spread, you know, we're shotgun, pass happy offenses, so we're gonna do the same thing no matter the weather. No, that's not how this works. Okay? So Notre Dame played a terrible game yesterday. Of course it came down to a block punt being the only touchdown. Uh, I, you know, Notre Dame at this point, you look at the rest of the schedule and you have to wonder if they're gonna win four more games. They've got a tough stretch. They've got to play Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, USC, Stanford. Um, you know, they, they, they've yeah. got a rough run coming up. 
I don't know if they're going to go bowling. And the last time Notre Dame started this, Dad, they fired their head coach. So if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm looking over my shoulder because you got to know the school's aggravated at you. And big win for North Carolina yeah. State. But y'all ain't winning more than six games. Stop, stop this nonsense now about how you're a real team because you beat Notre Dame in a hurricane. Yeah, and let me tell you this. Notre Dame is a, a slight, slight, slight favorite over Stanford in South Bend this weekend. And somebody is about to, to take a big step backwards. And don't be surprised if Notre Dame loses this game because what happens is these players, they hear their coach and they hear him talking about Like, he's always pointing the finger. And if I'm a player, I'm an athlete too. And if you're throwing me under the bus every time, I'll take some of the responsibility of the player. But if I see you throwing my teammates under the bus every time you get a chance to, I'm not going out there and playing hard for you. I mean, if your job's on the line, I'm not going out there and killing myself, Jonathan. Notre Dame opened up a pick. It's moved to one and a half points. And I think Stanford's defense in this game, I know Notre Dame will be dry probably, and uh, Stanford's defense can be pretty good against, you know, some teams. But I think Notre Dame should win this game. But if they lose to Stanford, that's what I'm saying, if they lose to Stanford, and it wouldn't be an upset if they did, I don't know. I mean, I don't see him keeping his job because then guess what? You turn around and play Miami, they're going to be better. Than, than what they were last night. They're better than what you played. And, and then you got Navy that just beat Houston. Army, I mean, you never know about Army, but Virginia Tech looks like world beaters right now with their only loss coming in a neutral site to uh, Tennessee. And then you have to go all the way out to California to end your season. I don't know. It's, especially if they lose. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. They're, what, two and four right now? Yeah. I don't think they make a bowl game. I think they win four games, five max. This is a big fall. I think they lose to Stanford. I think they lose to Stanford. I think they lose to Miami. I think they they probably beat Navy in about a 58 to 55 game and beat Army. They don't beat Virginia Tech. They're not going to beat USC. So, I don't know. This is bad. This is bad. And let's just – and when you think about another day, what about Stanford's uh, – what they've got to do coming up? They've got uh, – sorry, I can't – I lost it on the schedule. But Stanford's got a tough schedule, don't they? I mean, they're two and three right now. But they've got a tough schedule coming up the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, for, for Stanford being two and three, I, I still think they can get the six wins. Because uh, once this team, if they can get healthy, especially get your top two corners back, um, I think they'll be able to play a lot better on defense, which will open things up. Uh, you know, I, yeah. it would not surprise me if Stanford beat Notre Dame. I fully expect Virginia Tech and USC to beat Notre Dame. It wouldn't surprise me if Navy, Army, or Miami beat Notre Dame. And that's the thing. Before the year, it was like, okay, well, they're going to beat Navy, and they're going to beat Army, and they're going to beat Miami. Uh, you know, and now it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, th- th- this is this is bad. Uh, so I, I think uh, going forward for Notre Dame, it's all about trying to win out. And, you know, this is Notre Dame. They win six games unless it's a high-profile bowl game because they're Notre Dame. They're not going to go. They've done it before. Um, so I, I think at this point they're reevaluating everything, and it's going to start with the top man because 
the the biggest issue is Brian Van Gorder's defense. Well, he's gone. So now now who's the issue? And I think this is where Brian Kelly regrets not jumping for the NFL. It's kind of like Charlie Strong, wasn't it? Throwing his defensive coordinator under the bus, taking over the play calling, and and hell, it got worse. Texas defense got worse, and now who are you going to blame? Who's the who's the fall guy now? That's what happens when you start throwing people under the bus, Jonathan. Bad things start happening, and uh, Brian Kelly could get fired. I, I don't know if they they really would do that right now because. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to. It's just hard when you're giving up 30 points a game if you're Notre Dame, over 30 points a game, and you have. I mean, it's not like these guys don't have good recruiting, Jonathan. I mean, most of these guys are going to the NFL. It's not like they they have bad players out there. They have bad coaching. So imagine putting Harbaugh in Notre Dame. What would be the outcome? What kind of turnaround would you see if Harbaugh was the head coach of Notre Dame right now? I think you'd see an immediate turnaround, just like when we saw at Michigan. I think Harbaugh, people are like, well, you know, Harbaugh's not a good coach. Hey, can you say, you know, we don't know. I'm like, well, we do know. We saw what he did at Stanford when he took over a Stanford team that was lucky to win three games a year and turned them into a Pac-12 contender. We saw what we did in the NFL with the 49ers, who ever, from when they fired Steve Mariucci until they hired Harbaugh were a mess. And Harbaugh comes in, they're Super Bowl contenders. We're now at Michigan where we're looking at a national title contender. Okay? So I think if you took Harbaugh and you put him in over at Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame becomes a national title contender really quickly because they, you're right, they recruit really well. They recruit a lot of good talent, and they just haven't figured things out. You know, and this this is this is an issue for Notre Dame where you're not in a conference. You can't afford to be losing games like this, and it's just it's getting worse. Uh, and at this, ever since 2012, it seems like they've been taking small steps back. Last year, it looked like they were gonna, you know, it looked like they were a contender again. We were all on board. This is a very good team. You know, two really tough losses, two really good teams, and you know, had high hopes for them this year. I didn't originally see a loss for them on the schedule. Um, you know, I do some looking and some thinking and go, well, they're probably going to go 10-2, 11-1. And, and now this is a team that, by the grace of God, will be lucky if they get seven wins. Yeah, you got to start. They're not going to get seven. There's no way. So what, what, what if they get four, though? What, four or five? How bad is that going to be? I mean, you're Notre Dame. You lose to Texas. I mean, how many wins is it going to take Kelly to save his job? That's all I'm trying to ask. Or will it matter? Will I keep him another year? I, I, because I haven't heard any chatter about his job being on the line, I think he's probably safe for another year. But if Notre Dame, if the bottom falls out completely and this team quits and they finish 2-10, and 3-9, and 4-8, um, I, I think this is a team that they're going to uh, shake it up. I think at that point Kelly is gone, and Kelly's probably out pushing Oregon um, or, or something like that because I know at Notre Dame they can, they're not going to stand for years where they're not in a bowl game, and especially in a good bowl game. Their fan base is too large and too active. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta Falcons just ended uh, their lead over the Denver Broncos 23-6. to six. We saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, Paxton Lynch. 
Paxton Lynch is having a terrible game right now for Denver in his first start. Um, you know, it, it, I guess it's something to expect in a rookie bump. This is a Falcons team that comes out hot in the first half of every year, it seems like. I'm still, still a little bit of wait and see with them right now. Uh, but no doubt about it, they've played great today. I still think Carolina wins that division. Uh, I, saw, I think they finally had to beat Tampa tomorrow night and try to get things rolling again with Cam, get healthy. We'll see. But uh, I don't think the Falcons are going to win. I'll put it that way to you. Because even if they do win it, it's not going to matter. They're losing the first round of any playoff game unless it's a wild card and they're, they're playing the Saints or something. That'd be about the only way they could probably probably get a win. Well, let's uh, look around. Let's keep looking around college football right now. We saw we talked about Stanford, how bad they were, and uh, Michigan State. It's just you know you you have a you know you're having a rebuilding year. You know that that Notre Dame. You know people were talking about, well, we beat Notre Dame. You know Michigan State's real good, but you lose at home, thirty-one to fourteen to BYU. That's three in a row. Back and, it, and it all started after the Notre Dame win. They lost 30-6 to to Wisconsin. We thought, wow, that was a bad day. They lose to Indiana, and then they lose to BYU. Now coming up, you get Northwestern, which is not a gimme game anymore. You go to Maryland. You play Michigan at home. <laughs> you go to Illinois. That should be you play Rutgers at least. But then you finish the season up with Ohio State and Penn State. It just doesn't get much easier. I mean, something's wrong in Michigan State, and I think it's a talent problem, quarterback problem. I don't think the coach sucks. He's a great coach, I think. But look at the recruiting classes, and that's what I keep telling people. You look at Auburn, they've consistently been in the top ten. You look at Florida State, always in the top three or four. Alabama, Ohio State, I mean, the reasons they're good, and they, they just keep winning. But Michigan State doesn't have that kind of success, Jonathan. I mean, uh, Jonathan, it seems like they have to have three, four-year players in order to be successful. So when they're rebuilding, it looks bad. So maybe in about two years or three years, this team will be real good. But right now, they're in trouble. Yeah, Michigan State football is like Michigan State basketball, where they recruit multiple-year guys. Um you know, they, they go for guys that maybe are three stars, but with some coaching and, and some experience will be four, will be looked at as like four or five, like guys like Darquez Denard, uh, who was a first-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals not too long ago. Um, so, I mean, you know, lo- looking at it from the standpoint of Michigan State fans, I think you knew it was going to be a rebuilding year. Uh, you know, this is a team that I said was no better than the third-best team uh, in their conference. Uh, and that was mainly because um, <laughs> you knew, you just knew that this was going to be a long year for them. And, you know, lo- looking at it now, Michigan State is just making a bowl game. Mark D'Antonio is a really good coach. He's not going to get fired. He's not going anywhere. Uh, so no, at, at this at this, yeah, so at this point, it's obviously you try to get better with recruiting. I mean, they get four and five stars here and there, Malik McDowell. The defensive lineman who was committed to Florida State, his mom and dad said, "Nope, you're going to Michigan State." And he was like, "All right, fine. I guess I'm going to Michigan State." Um, you know, and, and they, they, you know, yeah, they have talent there. It's just they got to put it all together. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, every two years, every three years, Michigan State's going to have a really good team. But they're going to have a year or two where they're just middle of the road, and that's just because uh, of their of their recruiting cycles. So I, I think it's not panic time. You, you didn't have high expectations going into this year, so let's just try and get through it. Well, Jonathan, I want to talk about something. Anybody would like to call in away on this, 646-716-5564. Yeah, we talk a lot about the games, and, and that's what we do. You know, again, I think Jonathan and I had a great week picking games this week, I, uh, probably about 70%. You know, that's, if you can do that consistently, it's been a little bit higher than that. It's been a lot higher than 70%. But we know what we're talking about on this show. If you haven't listened to us, go back and listen to us. You'll see what we're talking about. We don't just talk to, to blow hot air. Jonathan does sometimes, and I do when I'm rambling on about John Franklin. But other than that, we know our football here on Way of Sports Talk. But here's something that requires thought since we're in this political season right now. A, a server, a news came out about the NFL dropping in the attendance. Our viewers like 15%. It's down. The last time it's been this low was back in the 70s. Um, people are blaming the Colin Kaepernick uh, taking the stand week one like that with the, the droppage in viewers. And at first I brushed it off and didn't think about it. But the more I think about it, you know, other players have been doing the same thing. And I wonder if. You know, everybody thinks NFL is this big thing that controls the world. I wonder if people are just fed up with it and quit watching because sponsors are pissed off right now. They're wanting their money back. I mean, they're losing money. Think about the commercials you have to pay, John. For how much money goes into to getting these advertisements, commercials. Do you think Colin Kaepernick panics and the NFL's uh, refusal or discipline in their disciplined players is, has anything to do with this? Uh, well, I mean, it's really kind of a touchy uh, uh, matter to discuss. Now, do I think it's cost the NFL some viewers? Yeah. Do I think they gained some viewers? Yeah. Uh, I don't blame the complete decline that we've seen uh, ratings-wise just in that social stand. I think the NFL is putting a worse product on the field. I think te- I think that players uh, compared to 10 years ago, I think the the level of, of, of play is worse. Um, I think kids are coming out of college too early. You know, I, I was I watched some of these games today. What I saw was some players who I looked at and I'm like, they're dumb. Like those guys are idiots. There, there's no there's no sense of intelligence in these guys' head. You know, the whole reason why the read option wasn't supposed to work in the NFL was because guys were too smart. They knew their gap assignments. Well, Dallas ran a read option on the goal line, and nobody on Cincinnati thought to cover the mobile quarterback. And, and I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> that's stupidity. Like, you know that's, an, that's obviously something that's, that's a wrinkle in their playbook. This is known. For you not to even, for that defensive end, to not even think, maybe I need to maintain my assignment and just crash in, is stupid. And I, I think, I, you know, and this is something I've heard from a lot of people lately, is the product looks worse. And I agree. I think the product in the NFL is worse. Too many kids are doing their three years and running to the NFL, and they're actually and they're not ready. They're really not ready. A lot of these scouts are saying, well, this kid projects well, but he's not ready. And that's an issue. When you have all these players that guys are sitting there, it's going to take one, two, three years for them to be ready on an NFL level, 
Well, that's, this is a problem. This isn't uh, Major League Baseball. We don't have a minor league system. You have to come, you have to show up and be able to play ball, or you're not going to hang around that long. And unfortunately, teams are taking shots on these project players, and it's not paying off most of the time. So I think the product on the field is worse, and that's why the NFL is suffering in the numbers wise. In the quarterback play, you don't, especially the first six weeks or five weeks without Brady being there. There's no more Peyton Manning. You know, there's just the quarterback play to me has taken a step down, step back a little bit. Maybe it'll come back up, but you're right. All over, there's not really a lot of defense being played. I mean, it's just you can't predict what in the hell is going to happen because these guys decide to play one week and don't the next. But one of the big reasons I think the drop is is politics. I think we have a huge presidential race going on right now. And I think people on Sundays, you have your team you watch, right? You you have the Bucks, I have the Panthers. But other than that, a lot of people may watch some of their team, but they may get bored during it, flip it over and watch something on CNN or Fox uh, about politics. I think once the debate's over with and everything like that, once this election is gone, I think it'll get better. But this has been the nastiest, uh, it's been the biggest. Have you, do you remember a time where where the presidential debate was looked forward to and viewed, more people viewed the presidential debate the other night than the Super Bowl, for God's sake? I mean, it's, it's crazy. The nice numbers are going to be off the chart. A lot of people are going to be watching the debate, not the Packers and the Giants. Who wants to see Eli Manning anyway? <laughs> I mean, I do think a high number of people are going to tune in for the debate, and you'll see uh, NFL viewers probably straddle back and forth a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think the current election uh, plays a lot into it. Um, there, there's no, no doubt about that. Uh, I, I think the ba- baseball playoffs kicking off like they are right now doesn't help out because, I mean, we – I was watching uh, – I had a split screen going of uh, fo- of the football game uh, earlier and um, of the Eagles and Lions and the Dodgers and Nationals game. Like, I-, I was watching both of them on my TV earlier. So, you know, I think there was a lot pulling away at the same time. A- at the end of the day, I think the-, the NFL will continue to suffer because it can't get out of its own way. Yeah. And, and is it weird to me that I've been watching baseball and actually liking it? compared to these NFL football games? I mean, you're, I think, Jonathan, you may be spot on in what you said. You're, you're not the person that said that, really, about the quality of play on the field. And, and uh, you may be right. It's a good good explanation for it. There's some bad football out there. There's some bad. I mean, I know a college team could never beat an NFL team. I'm tired of hearing people talk about it. But it's just not a good product out there. I mean, the Rams right now are, are doing well. Let's, and th- this is my, my point of view. This is probably why the NFL is not doing so well. And this is just me talking. When you look at it, Carolina, Cam Newton sucks right now. They're they're not playing well. So you had a lot of Panthers bandwagon fans. They like they like to watch great players and quarterbacks. You have Prescott's not the best thing that happened to football this year so far. But uh, some of your best teams are struggling. You have Andrew Luck, he's been struggling. He's a favorite. Uh, Kansas City, not that good. The Giants suck. Chicago's always going to suck. Detroit sucks. 
And I just think people like that in Arizona struggling with the quarterback. So Seattle hasn't looked good, even though their record. But you have the Rams in first place, the Falcons in first place, the Vikings in first place, Dallas, Denver, Houston, Pitt, New England, the usual suspects there. But I think sometimes these teams like Minnesota starting 5-0 and takes a lot out of them a little bit. I don't think people like that. Nobody really likes the underdogs. People like the winners. They like to they watch winners play. They don't like to see some teams start 5-0 and that probably shouldn't be there. I know you don't after projecting Minnesota not to do well. I know you don't like to see that. Oh, uh, yeah, not not always. I mean, I, I've enjoyed watching the Vikings because I love their defense, and I'm a defensive guy. And, and that's another thing. I mean, you have the the new rules in the NFL make it so hard to play good defense. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, that, you know, it's turned off some fans because the NFL is decided, well, fantasy football is important because more people watch football if they play fantasy football. Well, a lot of people are sick and tired of playing fantasy football. I mean, I'm all, I, don't, I only have a team this year because yeah. somebody said, hey, I need somebody to fill in. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not going to win, though. I'm like, I'm going to put it out. You got to grow it, don't you? You got to grow it a little bit. I mean, once you mm-hmm. get to age, you just, okay. You know, you, you, the people I run with aren't fantasy football players. They're more people that will put money on games, you know. They want to do it that way. That's the enjoyment I get is whoever is like putting a little cash on a team and watching it, not having a fantasy lineup and having to worry about. And that's another thing, the loyalty of teams. I mean, a lot of people just pull for whoever their fantasy team is and what players they do. And there's no loyalty as much anymore to teams. I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but it seems like I've seen people pull against their own team like the Packers just so they can win fantasy football. Not, I definitely noticed that's that. Yeah, that's no. not loyalty. Mhm, mhm. No, I've noticed that big time, and that's something that the NFL was kind of—it's weird. So they do the whole be loyal to your team, but at the same point in time, like, yeah, you know, we're we're providing you this option where you can just keep track of all the guys in your fantasy team. But which one do you want? Because everybody's not drafting a fantasy team. I'm a Bucks fan. I'm going to draft all Bucks players. Well, not everybody's going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's not how this works. There's a lot of people who play fantasy football that don't really care about football. It's just playing the fantasy aspect of it uh, because they think, you know, they connect with coworkers or friends or whatever. You know, this honestly, football is on a decline. I think, you know, people say baseball's been dying. I don't think baseball's dying. I think baseball is actually start. Their numbers are going to are starting to go up. Basketball's numbers are definitely starting to go up. There's no doubt about that. And that's because they marquee the stars of their sport. You want to watch the best of the best? Okay, cool. We're going to put LeBron and Durant and Curry on national TV as much as we can. That's who you want to watch. You don't want to watch the 76ers. You don't want to watch the Bobcats. And the NFL, everybody gets a Thursday night game. Well, people don't really care for the Thursday night games. And do you really want to see the Browns play on a Thursday night game? Do, the, do you really want to see the Bucks or the Browns on a Monday night game or a Sunday night game? You know, the, the NFL has almost done too much to try and say, you know, well, we want to spread the love. Well, people want to just see good teams and good matchups. Your, your, your primetime matchups, your standalone games, should always be primetime teams. They should be the Patriots. They should be the Steelers. 
they they should be. Uh, I mean, you hate to say it for the Texans, who kind of dominated their division. Uh, you know, the Cowboys, a team that everybody loves to watch, the Packers. They should be your your, your best players. You want to see the Panthers because of Cam Newton. You want to see the Seahawks because of Russell Wilson, and they haven't been doing that. So I think the NFL. And as soon as they figure out that they need to get out of their own way, they'll start going back up. But until then, it's going to be a steady decline. And we'll see. Atlanta's up 23-13. Denver with an onside kick. Just recovered it. There's a flag probably offside, I think, on Denver on the kickoff. That's usually what it, what it means. Somebody got a head start. But uh, are you going to watch the debate tonight, Jonathan? I'm not really planning on it. I've been listening to the, ch- the chatter all week. Um, I, I mean, look, here, here's my stance. Uh, Donald Trump has said some things that maybe just irk you the wrong way or whatever. That's, that's fine, okay? A lot of people say things that irk people the wrong way. Our current president done, has done it. The president before him did and the president before him did. Now, the only difference is the president before George W. was a man named Bill Clinton, whose wife is running in this election. And he's got some nasty skeletons in his closet that Hillary's tried to help cover up. I mean, that's my issue here is Hillary's done things that are bad. Donald has said things that are bad. Where do we draw the line on what's actually bad, guys? Like, is the outrage because Donald seems to create a new soundbite, or at least the media has been creating a new soundbite every week that's negative? Or is it... Hillary's consistently done nasty things. They're they're going back 10, 12 years ago to find something that that guys talk about. You've been around guys, Jonathan. You are a guy. What they talk about, how they act, and what sometimes they pop off at the mouth. They're not the, we're not the, I'm not saying what he said was right, but come on. If somebody's words 10 or 11 years ago like that regarding him thinking he's – see what it is, he's insecure in ways back then, and he's rich and everything, and I think sometimes you overcompensate that. You say things, every woman wants me or you to do this, but just running off at the mouth a little bit. There's a difference between popping off in the mouth and raping someone, you know, and, and threatening the, their life if you say anything and protecting your husband. I mean, there's a difference. And, and, and the reason I brought this up tonight is kind of like football. You have strategy. You have, you have four quarters in football. Well, in this election, you have three debates. So this is the second quarter. And I think Donald Trump you know, needs to bring out the heavy artillery tonight. Kind of like the, to turn the favor back in this time. I don't think it's gone away like people are talking. I think people make up their mind. They don't care what he said. They want some. They care about health care. They care about this economy more than they do the, being the Pope. You know, I mean, because most of them, let's face it, are not Mother Teresa. Let's, let's go ahead and, and get that out of the way. But I think Donald Trump needs to attack Hillary and Bill tonight heavily and talk about policy as well to get kind of the ask her the uncomfortable questions instead of sitting there taking all this abuse. But I think he does need to apologize and be sincere about it, about his comments, and move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think a conversation needs – I mean, I know he issued a statement and released a video where he apologized about what he said, and, and people are like, well, why should we take him seriously? And it's like, oh, why should she take Hillary he seriously? Apologize. I mean, yeah. at, least he, at least he sat there and said, hey, I'm going to man up. Oops, my bad. Whereas 
I, I deleted thir- I had I told people to delete thirty three thousand emails or however many it was, and it's I don't even get really an oops my bad out of it. Or you know, I covered up uh, for my husband when he raped a woman. No, no, oops, my bad. Just oh, that never happened. Are you sure? Are you positive? Because there's like five of them that are all saying. So it's like that. that there's my issue. I'm drawing lines now on, on these two's. With their, with their their non-political side. And that's what's bothering me or anything about this election, is that it should be a straight discussion on their actual politics. So Bill Clinton was no saint yeah. when he got elected as president, but nobody talked about it. And now all anybody wants to talk about is, is the negativity of both candidates personally. And that, 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 that really, really bothers me. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this. Hillary's got herself to blame when Donald Trump destroys her tonight. And and if little Chelsea's in the crowd, who cares? You've already put you took the gloves off. Now I'm gonna finish the fight. But I wanna see what little Jason Humphrey out there in Oregon, what they think about Hillary and and Donald here since we're wrapping up and Jason, how you been? And tell me your your point of view right now of politics. And tell me who people in Oregon support. I am the last person that used to ask about politics. I don't follow it. It confused the heck out of me. So, yeah, I'm the last person that used to ask. Uh, so so yeah. I'm taking it you're not going to vote in the upcoming election. Yeah, I I haven't voted ever, so, yeah. How old are you, 23, 22? I'm 28. You never voted, man. You gotta get you in the polls. Yeah. You gotta gotta get you. All right, man. I just wanted to throw that over there to you. But what worries me in this election is I don't mind if legal citizens vote, Jonathan. What worries me is how many illegals are gonna vote. Yeah, I mean that's 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 something that has been a problem and has been asked about. Uh, for the past couple elections now, uh, you know, there's also the whole these this number of pe- dead people were registered to vote this year, and you're like, well, well, what? <laughs> but I know in Virginia they had a big thing about it where like an entire cemetery got registered to vote at one time, and you're sitting there, well, this guy's been dead since like 1950, so uh, how can he be registered to vote? And you know, there there's just some some tactics that unfortunately have been used in presidential elections before JFK. Um, so I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, you, you just, you know, they're, they're, you don't win, you don't lose. Uh, we, we just need to, you know, hope whoever the majority decides upon uh, is the best candidate mm-hmm. and does, does, does their job. You know, um, that that's all. All I ask at this point, please, just whoever gets elected, don't don't be jackass. And that's why we can't have online elections and stuff because of hackers and God knows Hillary's giving away our top secrets already. But I think to vote, you should have you you should have to bring your birth certificate, a valid ID, and you know you can check that pretty fast if you have the right amount of uh, volunteers and stuff to do it, but. And you only can vote once. If you're not registered to vote and you come up there with a driver's license and you're not on the list, guess what? You don't vote. Uh, so I just think they need to do a better job. We talk about gun control. We need to do a better job with election control because, I mean, like you said, dead people vote. If 
I see my dad's name on that voting somewhere, and somebody stole his identity or something, because I know he passed away a couple of years ago. So uh, that's pretty bad. I mean, politics is a dirty, dirty, dirty business. And uh, the reason I think Donald Trump's going to win is because the GOP hates Donald Trump, and people hate the GOP, and they don't like Hillary. I think him making enemies in the GOP is going to help him, actually, because people hate politicians. It's just the only way it is. Neither one of them are worth a crap. But the difference is Donald Trump's not a politician. He's a businessman. He's a, uh, a rich businessman. He's a regular old Joe who speaks his mind. And the only difference separating him from between us is he's a billionaire. And that's, that's it. I mean, he's not a politician. He's, and I think people are tired of it. I think that's why the Democrats are so desperate right now. They're trying to pull out every stop, trying to make people think he's a bad person. Well, we, we, nobody ever said he was a saint, did they? Go ahead before that tape came out. Nobody ever said he was perfect. So exactly. And, and just to touch on the comments that came out this week from 2005. Okay, think about that for a second. All right, 2005. Um, there's a reason why... In professional sports, they don't want to go with the co-ed locker rooms. There's a reason why people say people are like, well, it's sexist. No. I mean, you could call it that, but A, guys like to have guy time. B, guys are going to have discussions like this in guy time. That's just what happens. There's a, you know, there, there's a separation of the genders, whether people want to, uh, or the sexes, however you want to classify it. Um, there is, and the conversations they have aren't going to run the same way as people think. So, you know, I, I just think the outrage with his comments are are overblown, and most of the people who are freaking out over are people who already didn't like him, and that's what people need to realize, that the people who already don't like him are going to say this is a big deal. People who do like him are going to yeah. say this isn't a big deal. So you have to try a middle ground, and my, my whole thing is that he, he said it, I don't really care. What has he done? Show me that he's actually committed a crime. People are saying, well, he said, you know, he was talking about committing sexual assault. I'm like, well, did he do it? I mean, if he didn't do it, then, I mean, I've talked about killing people. Does that, does that make me a murderer? I mean, come on. Nope. If we're going to speak, let's speak. Yeah, I, I told people, I, I'm going to kill you out of anger. Does that kill him? No. I wouldn't be hosting William Sports Talk right now. Uh, you know, maybe from a prison near you or something, but uh, they, they could let it happen. But no, I mean, people say stupid things. If, if, Jonathan, if I had a tape on a video or a tape on me every day, all day, and I went back 10 years ago, what do you think I'd hear? I mean, stupid things, probably. Probably even today, stupid things. We all do stupid, say stupid things when we're not being monitored. It doesn't mean we're bad people, it just means we're human beings. And we're just, it's hard enough to live life anyway without somebody scrutinizing every word you've ever said. That's what marriage is for, right? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Donald's done something, you know, his wife loves him, and, you know, it's like, wow. Now, and that's how I know that they're getting desperate, is because of, of what they're trying to do. They're trying to. You know, just play the smoke and mirrors game right now, which is 
got a backfire on the night because now you've really pissed him off. And I don't think they were trying to piss him off. I think they were trying to take a blood grab. But I think he'd be smart. And with Kent helping him and everything, he could really turn this around tonight and make it blow up in their face. Because I'm having the big Gaza survivors' parents on the front row. I'm having all these women that, that Clinton's supposed to so-called rape. I'm having them on the front row. I want to make Hillary very uncomfortable that's what I'm going to do. But, John, I agree. you want to talk about before we go? Anything you want to talk about before we go? Uh, I mean, baseball playoffs have kicked off. They've, they've been fun so far. Um, the Giants uh, and the Red Sox and the Rangers. Wow, I, I worded that really odd. But the Giants, Red Sox, Rangers are all staring elimination in the face. They uh, All three of them are down 0-2. Uh, it's a three-game series. It only takes one more for them to go out. The Dodgers and the Nationals are all knocked up 1-1. Um, I, I think we're in for a really fun playoff run. The Cubs obviously look to be the best team this year, and I think they can make a serious run here. They just have to close out the Giants, who have done a great job, especially in even years, of finding ways to win the World Series. Um, in the American League side, I mean, Toronto and Cleveland look like the clear cuts right now for the ALCS. We'll see what happens there. That's definitely not going to be the series everybody is expecting to see. I think everybody had Texas and Boston. I know I did. Um, and I, I think it'd be great to see the Indians make it to the World Series uh, against the Cubs, even though I wouldn't. I would hate to be in Cleveland for when the Cubs win that. Uh, just keep tuned. This is going to be fun. There's a lot of fun baseball yeah, still hey, left to be played. Hey, then back to the future, did they predict the Cubs would win in 2016? I was at uh, it was 15. Okay. Well, they're close. Yeah, Cubs are dominant, but I just if the Cubs make it, the ratings will be good. I mean, that's just the bottom line. People want to watch the Cubs play, and it's, they, they want to see that Cinderella story. Uh, Toronto, not so much so, but Toronto's a good baseball team. From what I can tell, from what I've been watching and seeing the stats and they're a good team. You're not you're not a bad team if you've made it this far, right? I mean, you have to be good. And, uh, all these teams yeah. are good. Texas running that bus. Texas running that bus. Oh, that's what happens. <laughs> I mean, uh, just just real quick, you know, the the Blue Jays came out and just smashed the starting pitchers, Hamels and Darvish, uh, really early in the game. And once they opened it up offensively, Texas couldn't come back. They couldn't catch up. Uh, the Red Sox, it was always they were going to have to outscore the Indians, and they're having a hard time doing that as well. The Indians pitching has been great, probably the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, you know, looking at the National League, the Cubs just are a better – the Giants are a really good team, and I like that team a lot. I root for them. But the Cubs are better. And it's funny, the Cubs are a Cinderella story because they haven't won the World Series in such a long time, and they're the best team in baseball. They won over 100 games this year. Uh, but, you know, everybody's going to want the Cubs to win. I, I'm, you know, if the Cubs beat the Giants, I'm going to root for the Cubs because I have so many family members who are Cub fans. Uh, you know, and then and the other one, the Dodgers and the Nationals, I thought that was a clear-cut. Dodgers were just going to walk over them. Uh, the Nationals came back and won today. Big three-run home run by Jose Lobatone to give them the lead for good. I, I think that's going to be a good series. I'm really excited. This is this is, playoff baseball. It's so much fun, and people don't give it the credit it's due. You know why? I mean, you watch a regular season game, there's not a lot of energy. You go to the playoffs, every pitch is energy. I mean, every pitch. 
Nationals actually got rained out yesterday, so there's no travel day. Um, I'm pulling up the schedule really, really quick. Actually, it looks like, yeah, I'm wrong. The Texas and the Rangers play tonight in Toronto. It's Colby Lewis against Aaron Sanchez. The Blue Jays are the better team uh, with, with Sanchez on the mound. He's 15-2 and two on the year. He's just been a really good pitcher. Toronto can go ahead and close out the sweep tonight. Um and then the Cleveland and Boston play Monday night at 6 o'clock, and Chicago plays at San Francisco Monday night at 9.30. So in both those, you know, the home team, um, the road team in both those games are up 2-0. So, I mean, looking at it, we could actually see uh, three of the series be wrapped up between tonight and tomorrow night. Okay. Well, everybody take care. Uh God bless. We will see you Wednesday night, maybe even Tuesday night. We may even do Tuesday this week. Getting on out of the pandemic. Jonathan, you take care. We'll see you soon, bye. All right, buddy. See you all soon.